Support for Old Kentucky Tales comes from the Jackson Purchase Historical Society, whose mission is to promote the interest, study, and preservation of Western Kentucky's history. Partnering with regional organizations to host events and programs, the Jackson Purchase Historical Society welcomes historians from the professional to the amateur to become a member. There are links to historical videos, biographies, archives, and more about becoming a member online at jacksonpurchasehistory.org. Under the leadership of that haughty woodsman, Daniel Boone, a large party set out for the new land, Kentucky. Where else comes to be pretty like me? I'm Colonel Harold Sanders, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my Kentucky Fried Chicken. Have I told you you people are crazy? This is Old Kentucky Tales, the only podcast that solemnly swears that none of its participants have ever eaten raw, unsalted heifer. And that's quite a surprise, right, Jason? Right, someone, someone's going to eat that later in your story. Well, Otherwise, don't, don't be... ruin the surprise. Well, why would you bring it up? <laughs> I am your host, Brent Taylor. To my left is the man who would never, ever visit promiscuously, Jason Donner. Promiscuous visiting at Perryville. Yeah. That's today's title. In this episode of Old Kentucky Tales, our main event will examine the Battle of Perryville. And in our bonus material, we'll have something brand new. It's Producer Appreciation Month, so we'll have a tribute to Todd. And along the way, don't forget to support the fake history sponsors who support Old Kentucky Tales. The products are real, only the sponsorship is fake. Mother's fan makes childbirth easy. It's shorter's labor. Lessens the pain attending it and diminishes the danger to the life of mother and child. Mother's friends should be used a few months before confinement. Send for our book, Two Mothers, mailed free. Mother's friend makes childbirth easy. <laughs> that one I liked. I no, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's it's a medicine that's a medicine. going to make childbirth as easy as one, two, three. Okay. So, Wait a minute. D- define confinement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, right? I, I guess that's the uh, the actual bed where it all happens. I guess. Or something. <laughs> but yeah. it's a pill they take that will make labor shorter, mm-hmm. but they don't want to tell you anything about it. Like you don't need nothing. to know. There's Trust no- the science. <laughs> I guess. It doesn't even say it's a pill. Are you a science denier? <laughs> <laughs> no, what, a mother's friend. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I don't know. That's, uh, Did, you know, when I was a little kid, there was a little rubber thing that my mom had. It was like that you could use it to open up jars. Okay. Is that a part of your memory from uh, I remember not. like a little rubber Like a little rubber thing, thing yeah. that you could Yeah, there were pads. Hers was yeah. like a okay. different. But it said, second husband. I don't know. It's probably Avon or something like that. All right. Keep all going. Right. I know you hate I, I, it when I, feel, I uh, No, no. The interruptions are, are why, why, is there why so we do sweat this? coming down. <laughs> 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 That's because this is the moment we've all been waiting for. The main event. Round one. The Battle of Perryville, Jason, is one of the premier Civil War battles in Kentucky. And, and where we, is Perryville for people who just don't know and I don't know? It's up around the Golden Triangle. If you were to take a trip up to Lexington, you'll see a sign for it there. Okay. Pretty much just before you get up to those parts. All right. Yeah. But right in among like central Kentucky where Louisville and Lexington are. Exactly right. So right there where all the action used to be, that's uh, that's where you'll find this. And back then, just like now, it 
was just a really small place on the map, but it's where the two armies happened to meet. And so that was it. It was kind of like a big showdown battle between the Union and the Confederacy in Kentucky. Yeah. So this guy was part of it. He was on the Confederate side. Then The yeah, Confederate side? He was on the Confederate side. Okay. But then he wrote this really beautiful account about it, and it's actually one of the go-to primary sources to learn about that battle. Sam Watkins is the guy's name. So was, what was his role there, or what happened to be just watching? A, he's just a foot soldier. Oh, he's a soldier. And, okay. and so he's right there in the middle of it. And he even says at times in the account that, you know, if you want to know about strategy and whatever, I'm not your guy because that was all decided way up above my pay grade. But I can tell you what I saw there. And that's what we're looking at. What's really crazy about it, though, is it's also kind of a beautiful piece of literature. So we'll, we'll see that, too, as we delve into it. In giving a description of this most memorable battle, I do not pretend to give you figures Describe how this general looked, how that one spoke, how the other one charged with drawn saber, etc. I know nothing of these things. See the history for that. I was simply a soldier of the line, and I only write of the things I saw. I was in every battle, skirmish, and match that was made by the 1st Tennessee Regiment during the war, and I do not remember of a harder contest and more evenly fought battle than the Battle of Perryville. If it had been two men wrestling... It would have been called a dog fall. Both sides claimed the victory, both whipped. So in wrestling, they uh, they sometimes call it a schmoz in today's wrestling really? lingo, uh-huh. you know, where the, there's a planned <laughs> there's a, a planned event that happens oh, and there's no actual no outcome. Yeah, and you know, like the it gets heads. disrupted or something. Yeah, he's he's describing it something but like these that. These are real people really dying. He's oh yeah, absolutely. The battle was pretty much. 50-50, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, in the long so, run, it's basically a victory for the Union. Yeah, that's going to ask you. Even what, though it was a little history. bit inconclusive while they were fighting it. I, I stood picket in Perryville the night before the battle. This is pretty neat because the two armies are kind of moving into position. And now we're kind of getting ready. And this is the night before. So this is still the time when they would line up. Yes. Face to face. Yeah, these are in the a large field. Exactly. These are the old Napoleonic style battles where you have two brightly colored uniforms yeah. and you stand a hundred yards apart and just go at it. Hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. <hope laughs> Look they out miss. for cannonballs. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I stood picket in Perryville the night before the battle, a Yankee on one side of the street and I on the other. We got very friendly during the night and made a raid upon a citizen's pantry where we captured a bucket of honey, a pitcher of sweet milk, and three or four biscuit. So he's standing guard. Yeah, and then the other guy standing guard for and the union. And then they decide to just go to somebody's house? Yeah. Yeah, they're like, hey, so uh, been a long time since we had some good food, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You want to go get some? Yeah. Okay. Man, it's just a little too cute, isn't it? <laughs> it it's seems pretty, so pretty cute and friendly, right? Yeah. Because tomorrow, you know, it's going to be on. But for tonight, let's... Have a little party. As long as I knew I wasn't going to get killed. (laughs) Could be a trick. The old citizen was not at home. He and his whole household had gone visiting, I believe. In fact, I think all of the citizens of Perryville were taken with a sudden notion of promiscuous visiting about this time. At least they were not home to all callers. 
So obviously, so they broke into someone's house. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody else has already split town because they've seen the two armies rule in. Okay, so maybe this was a more common thing to do uh, than it sounds. You see this kind of thing a little in some Civil War stuff, What's where, this, this where pr- different, yeah. like officers will get together between the battles from the different sides, and they'll kind of hang out and. Okay. At length, the morning dawned. Our line was drawn up on one side of Perryville, the Yankee army on the other. The two enemies that were soon to meet in deadly embrace seemed to be eyeing each other. The blue coats lined the hillside in plain view. You could count the number of their regiments by the number of their flags. We could see the huge war dogs frowning at us, ready at any moment to belch forth their fire and smoke and hurl their thunderbolts of iron and death in our very midst. Well, sounds like cannonball. Sounds like uh, Hemingway or something, mm-hmm. right? I wondered why the fighting did not begin. Never on earth were our troops more eager for the engagement to open. The Yankees commenced to march toward their left, and we marched almost parallel to our right, both sides watching each other's maneuvers and movements. It was but the lull that precedes the storm. The battle now opened in earnest, and from one end of the line to the other seemed to be a solid sheet of blazing smoke and fire. Our regiment crossed a stream, being preceded by Wharton's Texas Rangers, and we were ordered to attack at once with vigor. I like that order. Like, like, would you ever attack without vigor? Yeah, try hard this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Give it a give it an <laughs> honest shot. We did not recoil, but our line was fairly hurled back by the leaden hail that was poured into our very faces. Is that the coolest sentence or what? Yeah, he's just a good writer. That's why this lives on too. Eight color bearers were killed at once. Uh, one discharge of their cannon. Yeah, those guys told you those cannonballs. <laughs> you They'll do have balance to watch them. along. They'll skip, <laughs> knock your head off. <sighs> Rough stuff. The Patriot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yes. Uh, that's the way I'm picturing it. Or your leg. Take your leg out. Braveheart. We were. We were uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no cannon in Braveheart. What am I talking about? There's no gunpowder in Braveheart. You said this is what the show is about. Uh, oh, well, I, it's pretty clever. I think there's some blue paint somewhere. We'll uh, we'll hold on and see if we can what? find What's it somewhere. In the t- <laughs> okay. No, I'm with you. Cannonballs, <laughs> knocking off heads. We were right up among the very wheels of their Napoleon guns. It was death to retreat now to either side. Our Lieutenant Colonel Patterson hallooed to charge and take their guns, and we were soon in a hand-to-hand fight, every man for himself using the butts of our guns and bayonets. One side would waver and fall back a few yards and would rally, when the other side would fall back, leaving the four Napoleon guns, and yet the battle raged. Such obstinate fighting I had never seen before or since. And that's actually a big statement, because he fought in numerous battles throughout the entire campaign. So he's, he's telling you Perryville's right up there at the top of the list. The guns were discharged so rapidly that it seemed the earth itself was in a volcanic uproar. The iron storm passed through our ranks, mangling and tearing men Yikes. to pieces. Yeah. That's scary stuff, uh-huh. right? The very air seemed full of stifling smoke and fire, which seemed the very pit of hell, peopled by contending demons. Okay. Yeah, he's getting a little fancy here. <laughs> that is fancy. He's taking, <laughs> carried away with his prose. <laughs> our men were dead and dying right in the very midst of the grand havoc of battle. It was a life-to-life and death-to-death grapple. The sun was poised above us, a great red ball sinking slowly in the west, 
Yet the scene of battle and carnage continued. I cannot describe I it. I cannot describe it. I love that because you You're see that in great these, lengths to describe it. I know. These 19th century <laughs> Authors sometimes pretend to, to be humble. Very, yeah, you're and they're right. like, they're you know, dear reader, I could yeah. not possibly <laughs> describe the. Uh, yes, yeah, it and, is and, beyond my capacity. Right, and me. In the meantime, they're doing this great job. <laughs> yeah. The Battle of Perryville presented a strange scene: the dead, dying, and wounded of both armies, Confederate and Federal, were blended in inextricable confusion. Now and then, a cluster of dead Yankees, and close by, a cluster <laughs> of dead rebels. It was like the Englishman's grog, aff and aff, uh-huh. off and off. <laughs> right? I remember one little incident that I laughed at while I was in the very midst of battle. This is weird. I always think of this as how when you're in a really tight spot, the clock slows down. Right. Maybe you've been in an accident. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. You, you ever done that where the you... <laughs> Seconds yeah, are just like barely even moving. Oh, yeah. You're saying, though, that he had a moment where he could relax. Uh, I think it's the moment where it's like, it's that otherworldly moment. Like you're driving your car and you realize, oh, I'm in the middle of an accident. And you have that whole thought process and it's taking three seconds. But it made him laugh. But it made him laugh. We were charging through an old citizen's yard when a big yellow cur dog ran out and commenced snapping at the soldier's legs. They kicking at him to keep him off. You're worried about some guy shooting at you, and here's this dog, and he's down there pretending like you're the mailman. (laughs) The next morning, he was lying near the same place, but he was a dead dog. Very funny. What a great story. The dog, they came back and shot the dog. <laughs> or he's saying, we shot it right there. I, I bet he just got... We shot it right there. Yeah. He was just dead. Yeah, they're just kicking him away. You got to kick... What are you going to do? Let the dog just bite you? Well, no. Yeah? Of course not. How many dogs have you kicked, Brent? Uh, just ballpark I, I it. I did kick one <laughs> no, on a bicycle did. one. You thought about he, it. No, he he grabbed my ankle while I was on a bicycle. You had, really? You and let, I shook him off. Yeah. I mean, I, if you count that as kicking. Well, you, did you talk to him about it later? <laughs> no, I rode the heck out of there. <laughs> I helped bring off our wounded that night. We worked the whole night. The next morning, about daylight, a wounded comrade, Sam Campbell, complained of being cold and asked me to lie down beside him. You've seen that in the movies, right? <laughs> yeah, you warm each other, share body heat. I did so and was soon asleep. <laughs> <laughs> next what? thing you know... <laughs> When Dead I, buddy. <laughs> you got, when I awoke, the poor fellow oh. was stiff and cold in death. Oh. His spirit had flown to its home beyond the skies. <laughs> yes. It's okay. We helped to bring off many a poor dying comrade. Joe Thompson, Billy Bond, Byron Richardson, the two Allen boys killed side by side, and Colonel Patterson, who was killed standing right by my side. This is like a scene out of a movie right here. Yeah. He was first shot through the hand... And when, and was wrapping his handkerchief around it, when another ball struck and killed him. I saw W.J. Whithorn, then a stripling boy of 15 years of age, fall, shot through the neck and collarbone. He fell apparently dead when I saw him all at once jump up, grab his gun, and commence loading and firing. And I heard him say, damn him, I'll fight him as long as I live. Whit thought he was killed, but he is living yet. We helped bring off a man by the name of Hodge with his under jaw shot off. Oh, no. And his tongue lolling out. 
<laughs> That's something, dead, right? I hope. I hope that guy was dead. That's what he meant, right? He would mention that he somehow lived jawless. Uh, I, he, <laughs> He's he, listing he people who were dead alive that they there. brought off. Yeah, except I mean, for the one guy. Yeah, but the next guy really shot say. through the lungs and vomiting blood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's Captain Lute B. Irvine. Go ahead and say it. I'm sorry. Lute was shot through the lungs and was vomiting, vomiting blood, blood all the while, yeah. begging us to lay him down and let him die. But yeah. Lute is living yet. Also, Lieutenant Woolridge, with both eyes shot out, I found him <laughs> rambling in a briar patch. And that's not funny, but I've always laughed when I It's sl- funny. <laughs> Slam the guy. He's wandering around. Why point that out? He knew he was in a briar patch. He's looking for berries and stuff. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. that. Mm. Yeah, these are tough. These are tough. They really did a lot of amputating back then, too. Oh, yeah. Like, there was a whole generation of men who, if they weren't dead, were just mangled. Yeah, when in doubt, cut it off. And that was basically the medical advice back then. There's a there's a picture that they have at the Library of Congress. It's a medical tent, and we're in there with the doctor, and this guy's kind of laying back on a chair. And you look closely at the doctor's hand, and you see a hacksaw. So it gets... It gets really rough yeah, out there. Yeah, that's the part. Yeah, you didn't want to think about those parts of it. We suppose our general and commissaries knew what they were doing, and at night we would again draw rations, but we didn't. So this was a big, long march. The berries. <laughs> yeah, you better grab those berries <laughs> while you still can, right? I was hungry. A cavalryman was passing our regiment with a pile of scorched dough on the pummel of his saddle. Says I halt, I am going to have a paddock of that bread. Don't give it to him. Don't give it to him, was yelled out from all sides. I cocked my gun and was about to raise it to my shoulder when he handed me over a paddock of scorched dough, and every fellow in Company H made a grab for it, and I only got about two or three mouthfuls. About dark, a wild heifer ran by our regiment, and I pulled down on her. We killed and skinned her. In three minutes, there was no sign of that beef left to tell the tale. We ate that beef raw and without salt. They that starving in that moment. Exactly. You, there's you're on this big march. For, yeah. You probably haven't eaten well for quite some time. Maybe maybe sometime way back on the march or something was probably the last good meal. And then they got into the battle and then they, they lost the battle, so they're kind of beating a hasty retreat out of Kentucky at this point, and they're just on the run just with unfed. nothing to eat. Yeah, right. Only eight miles now to Cumberland Gap, and we will get rations now. But we didn't. We descended the mountain on the southern side. No rations yet. Well, says I, this won't do. I am going to hunt something to eat. Bragg or no Bragg. And that is um, General Braxton Bragg that he's referring to there. I turned off the road and struck out through the country. But I had gone a short distance before I came across a group of soldiers clamoring over something. It was Tom Tuck with a barrel of sorghum that he had captured from a good union man. He was selling it out at $5 a quart. $1 in the 1860s is a lot of money. It's basically a day's pay. So think of it today as $50, $100, whatever. A lot of money. I sat down and drank it. It was not so good. It was not worth a cent. 
I was sick and have never loved sorghum since. Oh, you got to wonder, like, was it all water? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say. He probably doesn't know. Was it sorghum to begin with? Tom Tuck. They need to draw down on Tom Tuck. <laughs> yeah, that guy better watch out. <laughs> Along the route, it was nothing but tramp, tramp, tramp. And no sound or noise, but the same inevitable monotonous tramp, tramp, tramp. Uphill, downhill, through long and dusty lanes, weary, worn out, and hungry. No cheerful warble of a merry songster would ever greet our ears. <laughs> it was always tramp, tramp, tramp. You might every now and then hear the occasional words close up, but outside of that, it was but the same tramp, tramp, tramp. For the most part, these armies back then, they just all just walked. On foot, days, hundreds of miles. Weeks, yeah. So they're talking about walking. Oh, okay. I thought he was talking about something else. Uh, that's that's actually a story about General Joseph Hooker. And if, if oh, Todd really on. wants us to, No, seriously, that's that's the origin of that term. If, if finish your thought. If Todd wants what? <laughs> uh, if he wants to, to uh, go down the <laughs> the General Hooker trail, then we can we can maybe whip him up a, a special that's a episode. valid topic. Of course it is. He was a, Not so much about legit, dead dogs uh, and eating yeah. raw meat and murdering Tom Tuck and... <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, Amputation, uh, the jaws being... Blown off, Brent. We're on a series of downers like here lately, aren't yeah. we? <laughs> <laughs> we get it. Plague yes, and, and, uh, and now it's eating heifers and brothers and all of that. fighting their cousins and their nieces fighting the good friends across the street. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. Well, I guess we better pay for some bills while we're. I thought it was appreciation month for producers. Uh, you know what? It is uh, appreciation no, no, just, month. Do we? Do we still appreciate his? Well, let's go ahead and do that before we pay the bills. To spice then. it up. He wants an adult rating on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever that's called, mature. <laughs> so let's see. Yeah, we'll just do this out of order. We'll do our bonus material now since oh. uh, since you have mentioned it. Okay. And it is producer appreciation month. You might not have known that. Out there at home, but it is um, it's kind of an underrated holiday and yeah. tribute kind, kind of thing. Of, kind of one of those uh, you made it up driving here holidays. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's on a calendar somewhere. Really? I, know, I know I saw it. <laughs> I saw it somewhere. <laughs> so okay. we needed to do a tribute to Todd, our faithful producer. Yes, Todd. You said his name a few times. <laughs> Why? You keep saying his name, Brett. That's because, as an English surname, apparently it means fox, derived from, <laughs> from the Middle English, which was Todd with an E at the end right. of it. Right. Like the Disney movie, Lady and the Fox, <laughs> or something like that. Lady and the Todd. Lady and the Todd. <laughs> the, the, the Todd and the There's Hound. There's some fox mo- the, the Yeah, Todd that's and the it. Hound. Yeah, that the Hound and the Fox. <laughs> Lady, Lady and, the and, and the Tramp and the Fox and the Hound. Fox and the Hound. Yeah, I got yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Editing. <laughs> you have to cut that whole segment. So it just means it. fox. It just means the animal of fox. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, at one time it yeah. meant that, and I hope so he appreciates that. His, I bet he does. Too. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Like, because yeah. this is just a sign that we he's care. Still there, by the so way. So we bothered to look some things we're up t- about him. <laughs> we're talking about him as if he's not. Do you know your name was fo- uh, meant Fox Todd? I had no idea. Fox, <laughs> Todd Fox. You know. I like that better than Todd Fox. Yeah, and, and, cool. and if you knew me, you would know how inappropriate that is. He can be he can be wily, clever, clever like he a can Todd. Be wily. What's <laughs> the coyote? He's thinking fox. Like, well, yeah, you're, Wiley's a good name. 
Wiley Bird song. All right, all right. Let, so let's I'm, go so, ahead. And <laughs> so, in other words, I steal your chickens and. <laughs> no, he was after the Roadrunner. Come on now. Exactly right. Okay, those beads of robot sweat are coming down. Yeah, it's getting sweaty. It's getting sweaty. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm gonna have to have to loosen my genuine snide schnapps. <laughs> right, Get right. That accent So ready. that is the sponsor for this portion of the program, genuine Schneiden schnapps. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Vanderveer's aromatic Schneiden schnapps. The undersigned has made an arrangement with John Mills and Company of New York, the proprietors of the celebrated article of Schneidem Schnapps, to, <laughs> to become their agent and respectfully solicits a call from purchasers to examine the article. He takes pleasure in stating that these schnapps are admitted by the most eminent physicians throughout the union to be the best article of the kind ever offered for sale. And that's actually a really funny typo because it says for ale. Yeah. But it meant for sale. As well as having received the highest encomiums of praise as regards a superiority of quality by all the principal grocers in the southern country. Mm-hmm. It is the best known remedy for diarrhea, rheumatism, oh. gout, diseases of the urinary organs, etc., etc., and is as well a wholesome <laughs> and delicious beverage. These things could really cure a lot back then. Yeah. One medicine. Now, wait a minute. Schnapps is an alcohol. It's a drink. Yeah. It's a liquor. Yeah, yeah, like peach it's a schnapps. German. looks German. Yeah, it's a, yeah, schnapps. Why would physicians? Physicians were involved in... Uh, he says that they have given it the white-robed doc- thumbed up. It's really okay if you got diarrhea, or rheumatism, or gout. <laughs> Diseases of the urinary, urinary organs. <laughs> uh, he's going to cure all of those uh, at one time. Right. Uh, There's that's, a joke in there somewhere? <laughs> that's our sponsor. Remember? Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we got to pay those bills. There's a lot of fake bills around here. Yeah. And they, they don't pay themselves. Well, it's time to turn the page. We have turned the page, the final <laughs> page of this chapter. But it's okay because Old Kentucky Tales just keeps on grinding out painful episode after painful episode. That's a good way to put after it. After painful episode. You can download as many of these as you want on iTunes or the NPR One app. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rate us. If you did not like what you heard, there is definitely no way you've gotten all the way to this point. Special thanks to WKMS, our producer, Todd Birdsong, the Paducah School of Art and Design, West Kentucky Community and Technical College, and the rest is history.